Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This episode of Collective Wisdom is brought to you by Forever Projects, a non-profit set up by Mark and Anna Domkins after they had returned to Australia having spent three years teaching in Tanzania where they adopted three children. Seeing firsthand some of the work that was being done by the orphanage Forever Angels to prevent children being abandoned in the first place, Mark and Anna started by simply sharing some of the stories of hope and optimism with family and friends back at home and were inspired by the response to Dare to Dream Bigger. They took that little seed of a dream and today Forever Projects works alongside four local agencies in Tanzania helping women to get access to healthcare and education when they most need it and empowering them to create a sustainable future for themselves and their families to live the life of dignity and hope they deserve. Through the power of the collective, they've been able to send over a million dollars to Tanzania to help transform lives forever. You can find out more about how to donate or become a subscriber to this inspiring project that is transforming lives at foreverprojects.org. 100% of your donation goes directly to helping those who really need it, which is why this sponsorship takes the form of a gift exchange. Mark exchanged his valuable time to share the remarkable story of the journey he and Anna have been on, and you can hear all about that wisdom in episode 15. And in return, I'm here to spread the word about their incredible project. Thanks so much to Mark and Anna and the team at Forever Projects for the inspiring work they're doing. Hi there, my wise friends, and welcome to episode 24 of the Collective Wisdom Podcast. I've got an incredible guest for you today. Liv Conlon is someone who I'm just so excited to share her story. Her energy and zest for life is just contagious. Not only did she found and run a business with a turnover of more than a million pounds by the age of 19, which not surprisingly won her the Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award two years ago, but she's also just written a book too big for your boots, which is in part personal memoir, but also the how-to for anyone who's interested in starting out in business and building a portfolio career based on personal brand with no money, no contacts in the industry, and no university degree. Liv is someone who just seems to have grasped the idea that it's time that is our greatest asset in life, and that it's really, really important to choose how you spend your time wisely, as there are no refunds. We talk about innovation, personal brands, and not taking the conventional path, which actually means being yourself and how the process of figuring out exactly what that is can be part of the journey. Her book is an incredible resource. And as you'll hear, we're giving away not one, but two copies. So there will be more details about that later in the show. But before we get started, I have a huge ask for you today. A couple of days ago, Mark Domkins, who heads up Forever Projects, reached out to his community with a really sad message to say that one of their partners on the ground in Tanzania, 
Pomodilio was robbed last week and they lost over $10,000 worth of goods and materials that go towards the 12-month programs they provide to support women and their families through difficult times. Mark was asking for simply just words of support and encouragement in the face of adversity. How does the song go? I get knocked down, but I get up again. So I've reposted the advert telling you all about Forever Projects and the work they're doing to support their partners on the ground in Tanzania, one of which is Pomoja Leo, which quite literally means together today. And I know it would be a really powerful message of togetherness, something that would mean something to Georgina Hill and Abraham and the rest of the team. If any of you were able to head over to the Forever Projects Instagram page, just to remind them they really are making a difference and not to let the challenges they face cause them to lose heart or faith in humanity. I know it will make a huge difference. But for now, I'll hand you over to Liv Conlon, who has set herself her own goal of reaching a million young people with the support and encouragement they need to be the change they seek to make in the world. have the best job in the world because I get to talk to really wise, kind people all of the time to share their take on the world. And today is no exception. Liv Conlon is one of the wisest, kindest, heart-centered, purpose-driven people on the planet. Her capacity to embrace life and get the most out of it is evident when you hear that she's built her own property staging business from scratch with no resources, no university education, and no contacts in the industry, and made her first million by the ripe old age of 19, which not surprisingly won her the Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. And Liv has been blazing a trail ever since. Now at the ripe old age of 21, she's making it her mission to teach and inspire others to do the same. One thing she's become an expert at is 100xing her goals. So she set her heart on positively impacting the lives of 1 million young people in the next year. With a focus on building a strong and prolific personal brand aligned with your values and vision, she's pioneered the thought leader method to this end. But as Liv herself has said, her road to success hasn't always been an easy one, having to overcome the huge challenge of being bullied at school and building a business in a very male-dominated property industry with no credentials at such a young age. Her podcast, and now book of the same name, Too Big For Your Boots, is jam-packed with tips and tools to help inspire a whole new generation of entrepreneurs, young and old. It's the guide she wished she'd had when she was starting out. I first met Liv when she announced her Profit with Purpose initiative for the 100 Homes Christmas Makeover a couple of years back, having read about just how many families are living in temporary accommodation over Christmas every year. And I was able to donate some jewellery and have them as Christmas presents for Under the Tree. A few months later, we both attended a retreat for purpose-driven business owners, and I got to see firsthand how Liv's infectious energy and zest for life really plays out. She'd been up and done two or three hours work before most of us had even decided what to have for breakfast. But I think what I love most about Liv is her compassion. She talks so beautifully about her relationship with her mom and her brother who've been alongside her all the way on the journey so far. And she has a relentless drive to help support other people to build the business of their dreams and step into their true potential. So Liv, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for taking the time to join me as I know you're a very busy girl at the moment. Oh my god, thank you so much for that introduction, Kev. I'm pretty much speechless. I'm like, <laughs> is that me? 
<laughs> but thank you so much. Yeah, and it's just been it's been a wonderful connection, me and you, and your such generous donation to the Hundred Home Christmas Makeover, and then meet you in person, and then continuing the conversation here in the podcast. So thank you so much. Yeah, there's something about podcasters. They're just a sort of uh, a breed. You know, I've I've never met a, a bad podcaster so far. It's just that, yeah. that's my tribe kind of thing. Well, I guess um, you've got to be. You've got to have a certain level of conversation, don't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. And- I find it. I find my own podcast different because I'm usually being interviewed compared to being the interviewer, and it's a totally different skill set. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know that thing about learning something new always pushes you outside of your comfort zone, which is something you are so familiar with. But I wanted to dig in first of all to um, I love you did an interview with Daniel Priestley who who wrote Oversubscribed, and he had said the book that changes your life the most is the one you've written yourself, which I thought was such a great quote. But yeah, just tell me a bit about how writing this book has changed your life so far. Yeah, so I mean, I love that quote. And it's never really been true, especially for where I'm at right now. I mean, so many books have had a massive impact on my life. But yeah, this book has certainly just changed me in ways, both my business in terms of financially and, you know, for my, my personal brand, my profile. But also it's just like such a journey to go on the the journey of writing the book putting all your ideas to paper and really exploding how you feel about some things as well because in writing your own book like you're honoring and value valuing your own story mm. so for me i've never i've spoken about being bullied in the past but i've never actually put pen to paper and written down how i felt about it and especially that part of the book for me was quite life-changing because i think it's chapter three where I write about that bullying experience and I actually left that chapter way to the end of so I wrote the book in a week and then it took from there probably like nine months to get the publisher and to start the whole process and I didn't probably write that chapter till the month before it got published just because it was a challenging one today and I kept putting it off so I mean just in terms of that valuing your own story and and sharing to yourself how you feel yeah and I just think when you share your story the impact that that message can have on someone at the right time is just immeasurable yeah and that's that's so beautiful I mean that idea that you can have an impact on a million young people but actually I know that's what's important to you is even if it, if one person has their life changed and I think there's some some truth in that um people really need to hear the stuff that we're most reluctant to share that's really the most powerful lessons in life. But it was so interesting, you know, true to form, you say, I wrote it in a week. So, so how, you know, you just sit down and you just, because I know you've got this thing about deep work and like turn off all the distractions, fight the resistance. So, so what did it look like to write it in a week? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty intense. I would probably recommend to someone to do it over a longer period of time. Because, <laughs> you know, by I think day five, I was ready to like pull my head out. But for me, like that's the way that I work. So I work in deep intervals and basically it's an, un- an uninterrupted work, if I could speak. Um, and you usually do, you can do it in so many ways, but I do it for long periods of time. So for example, this morning, I work from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. with no distractions, six hours of work. And you just get to like a deeper state where um, you're more creative, you're more productive, and you work in a much quicker and more effective way. So that week was pretty much a Monday to a Sunday, mm. with most likely the Saturday off. 
and really I used like a post-it note method where I decided it was going to be 45,000 words. I divided that into 15 chapters, which is 3,000 words per chapter. And then you divide that into 10 sub-chapters and then you just do 300 words per chapter, uh, per sub-chapter. But it gets quite simple when you do that. You work out like what you want to say, what you're teaching, your method is. And then we can all write 300 words on a subject we're passionate about and experts in. So it really became, I would write three to four chapters, you know, every one to two days. And then I brought it together at the end and went through and edited it all. But I would say as well, you know, I just put pen to paper. I wrote everything I was thinking down. I, I read it back and I was like, that's terrible. And then it went through an editing process three or four times by myself just to get to really home in on what I want to say. Yeah. And that, I mean, that is so wise because I don't think I'd even thought about it myself about, you know, I know, I know, I mean, we've been talking about the difference between knowing something to be true and then actually taking action. So sort of common sense versus common practice, but really breaking it down, just going, and you are someone who I know from, even with that, like the, how do you get to your first million? Well, you set those sites, you know, much lower than that. And, and I remember you talking about, you write down the, the amount you want to earn that month. And that's yeah. your first goal. And you just go for that. You know where you're, you're aiming to. And you just say, right, how do I sort of take the steps that I'm going to need to take to just get to that goal? And then once you've got to that goal, you can kind of scale it up. And that's, yeah, I had no idea that that's, that's the approach you take to, so would you say that's an approach you take to most things in life? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm quite blessed that I have a very analytical mind and a very creative side to myself. So like I can do, is that it's a, both a blessing and a curse because I can end up getting involved in literally everything and taking way too much to control. Yeah. Or it's really great if I'm looking at a vision of how I can bring it together. So I do it in everything. So I look at the book, break it down into small chunks that don't seem overwhelming it's not like climbing the mountain it's a step at a time and I do it even when I'm designing a project or a product launch right this is the end goal what are the you know 50 steps we need to take and in which order and I think when you look at life like that and finances and everything we just can't as humans we just can't comprehend a million pounds we can't comprehend these massive goals but if we just take one at a time then it's so much easier to actually process and when you're in overwhelm, you just procrastinate. And I do not live in procrastination. And I think that's probably the reason why I just do it in small pieces. Yeah. And it's it's so insightful. And I, I think, you know, it's that, that what you were saying about that balance between the analytical, but you've also got the creativity. So there's nothing really that you wouldn't be able to, to approach. <laughs> so how do you, how do you take a step back sometimes and say, you know, given I'm so capable, given I can see what needs to be doing, do you get frustrated with people who maybe you're working alongside someone and they're not quite getting it? How do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, I've I've never, one of the things I'm not great at is I'm not like the best manager of people and I never have been. And it's not something I ever really want to be. But yeah, I think the way I look at it and I've had to have like a massive mind sh mindset shift around this as I had to start asking myself because I was just redoing everyone's work and I was making it better. And the question I had to ask myself was, is it not done right? Or is it just not done by me? Yeah. And being a, a recovering perfectionist as well, the, the answer usually is 
it's done to an 80% standard and I just want it to be 110%. But it doesn't always need to be that because sometimes that's even beyond your end clients, you know, realms of possibility. We just don't even recognize things that are going on, but it's just your eye that catches some things. So yeah, I've had, I've definitely had to let that go. But I think, I think that is the essence to why you're so successful because it's that you overshoot and then because you you've got such high expectations and such big goals that even if you only get to 80% of them, then you're already ahead of the game. You know, I remember you talking about when you were property staging, it's that attention to detail. It's like each pillow has to have the little crease in the middle and it has to be in just, and not accepting the sort of, oh, that'll do kind of element of it. So do you think that's something that is very personal to you? Is that something, is that a muscle you can build? That sort of real, no, you know, let's, let's make this so much better than, than it could be. I think in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no, in terms of it being a muscle you can build. So I think for me, like I have high standards in every area of my life. And I think that's where it all begins. So not only high standards in business, but high standards in where I live, what I drive, what I do every day, the people I hang out with, what I eat, how I exercise. And I think it's Tony Robbins that talks about like, if you raise your standards in life, your life just changes. So I think for everyone that's totally possible to raise their standards in everything they do. But I think that eye for detail, I would say, yeah, it's totally part of my success. And I would say you can, you can build any muscle, but you can do it. But I think some people are born with it more than others. And I think I've always just had that, like just that 1% more that just makes me take it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, you mentioned Tony Robbins and I remember you telling me about going to that sort of um, kind of talk that he did. And, but I think what you do is you take, I think some of us think, oh, we'll just go to the talk and we'll sort of absorb the information, but you actually break it down and then you actually start to put it into steps. You know, it's like, what can I take from this and what can I do starting tomorrow? No, no procrastination. What can I actually do to, to move the needle, to, to make a difference? Yeah. I mean, there's a few periods in my life that totally bring me back to that comment. So I remember going to a property event with my mom when I was 15 and I, they stood at the front of the room. I mean, you paid maybe 10,000 pounds to be there. And they said, you know, 95% of you in this room wouldn't do anything. And it was true. Most people wouldn't. And I just always had this burning desire inside. I was like, that won't be me. I'll be the I'll be the smaller percent. And then also at that Tony Robbins event, like it was a four-day event. And two days in, I was like, right, I've got enough content. I just want to go and implement. Really? <laughs> so the uh, Pitbull was actually playing on the Saturday night. And I was like, I don't want to listen to, even though he's awesome, I don't want to listen to Pitbull. So I went back to my hotel and I just started working. Cause I was like, I had way too much inside of me just to sit and chill or yeah. learn more. I just wanted to like get started. And yeah, it's just, I think that's the difference between people that are successful and aren't people that implement and people that don't. Yeah. Just being so action orientated. And even if, you know, you change direction, you, you, you head out and it, you know exactly where your end goal is, even if you pivot on the way, but it's like, right, focus, focus, focus. And that's something that I think you've brought to, as you say, it's not just your, it's like how you do anything is how you do everything. So, so there is that element of, but what I'm really interested in is whether you think that people can, can take that and say, okay, 
is focus a muscle? Is, is, is that sort of, is that something that I can really pay attention to and then see if I can actually emulate it a little bit and, and bring it into my own life? Yeah, I mean, I was just actually thinking of this this morning because I took like sort of like a fitness break for the last couple of months um, just to focus more on my book launch and still be walking every day and doing things. But I got out the habit of going to the gym and yesterday was like my first like serious day back. And I really, really, really didn't want to go like I was trying to make excuses. Maybe I should just do a home workout. Maybe I could do that. And I was like, right, this is enough. Like, I just need to like walk in there, restart my membership and just do it. Yeah. And I done it. And I went again this morning and I'll be there again tomorrow. And it's like just turning that switch on. And for everybody, the first thing is so hard. Like it's so hard to get past that first hurdle. And had I not done that yesterday, I probably wouldn't go to the gym for months. So literally the change in your life is going to happen when you take that very, very first step. And I don't know if you know Brendan Richard and his confidence competence cycle, but he talks about, you know, once you've got some confidence, you get more competence. The more confident you become, the more confidence you gain. And I think for a lot of people, they don't have the competence yet and they're never going to get the confidence or the action element of it because they're just not going to take that first step and I talk about this all the time as well like when I started my home staging business I was so bad like the homes that we staged looked not great but you need to start yeah you're never going to start as the expert you need to start as the beginner the person taking the very first step and then you'll grow into being the expert but I do believe it's something you can build on but you just need to be brave enough to to take that first that first step yeah. And I think what, well, you know, that's, that's, it's very generous of you to share that, that it wasn't perfect at the beginning. Cause my vision of it is that, you know, you, you, you lucked out in that you, because you were doing it small, it was just this one property, your mum needed to shift it. So, right. Okay. Here's the problem. Here's how to solve it. But in fact, it's then learning, okay, these challenges are going to come up, but that confidence to know, because I've done it once, and each time I can make it a bit better. And yeah, and again, coming back to this breaking it down, which is just so, so powerful. Yeah. And I think there's something there around the taking the decision out of it, you know, almost saying, so you being in control of yourself saying, there's no ifs and buts about going to the gym tomorrow. I'm just going to go, even though I wake up with that sort of like, oh, should I? Yeah. Because as soon as you make a decision, then you can decide to go or not to go. But if you've, if you've said to yourself, right, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I do that and again, every day in life. So I will, by the end of today, I will have tomorrow scheduled. So I won't even wake up and go, oh, what am I going to do today? It will be on my, you know, my Apple calendar at 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. I'm focusing on Facebook ads from, you know, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. I'm walking in at the gym. So it doesn't become a decision. So I love that you brought that up because, you know, the minute, I think it's the, the five second rule by Brené Brown, we've got five seconds before our brain kicks in and tells us why we shouldn't do it, why it's dangerous, why we could look stupid, why we could be all these things. And you've got to make a decision in that five seconds where you're in control. But when you actually, you know, commit to yourself and put it in a schedule, if it's scheduled, it's going to happen. Yeah. If it's not scheduled, it will never happen. Yeah, I love that. And I, it's funny because I woke up this morning and thought, oh, I didn't actually send Liver a reminder yesterday about this interview. 
And then I kind of just knew that you would be somebody who didn't suddenly go, oh, yeah, yeah, we did have that scheduled in. But, you know, it's, it's, it's in the diary. It's going to happen. Absolutely. Because that's yeah. one of my worst traits is that I can manage myself. So I set up the appointment. But then, you know, thinking ahead of the game to manage other people just evades me all the time. It's like, can't they just doesn't, show up? <laughs> doesn't that just say like so much for a person like I on my podcast as well in terms of some people haven't showed up for podcast interviews and I think that just tells so much unless it's like a disaster that's happened in their day that just tells so much about someone and I think how you show up for everything not like for yourself for your business for you know connections and your space all of that is just so important and I think yeah yeah, you shouldn't let yourself down just because it's not scheduled or you're not organized. So I think it's, it's definitely key to, to keeping on track. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is, is your capacity to build relationships. I mean, you mentioned Tony Robbins, you've had these mentors in your life and you, and you're citing all the Brene Brown, you're obviously following a lot of that sort of self-development world, but you know, the forward for your book is Mark Randolph. How did you, how did you meet him? How did you, how do you build those relationships that I, th I think are so key to helping you get to the next level? Yeah, so I messaged Mark on Instagram and never ever really expected him one to reply or two to interview him on the podcast. Um, we agreed a date to come on the podcast and before it, I was actually speaking to one of my coaches, funny enough, and we'd, I was talking about getting like a really, you know, well-known entrepreneurial figure to do the forward. And he really pushed me out of my comfort zone and said, why don't you ask Mark? And I was like, oh, no way can I ask him. Like, that is, that's wild. I just can't do that. Um, but then I was like, right, I've just got to, I've just got to grow up here and ask. So what I did that morning of the interview, the interview was about 7 p.m. at night. And I woke up at <laughs> two in the morning and I bought his audiobook, which was nine hours. And I listened to the audiobook all the way throughout the day from 2 a.m. to 11 a.m. and literally just totally immersed myself in his story. And I was, I tried to draw comparisons between him and me because he was also like an entrepreneur that started from zero to what he's built is obviously Netflix. And there was one part of his story because I always look to connect with people on their story was he was in an Indian restaurant pitching to someone for funding for Netflix. And he was like super nervous, didn't want to do it, but he asked them anyway and he got the investment. So after the podcast stopped, I said, Mark, have you got a couple of minutes? I've got something to ask you. And he was like, yeah, sure. I said like, this is totally my Indian restaurant moment. I'm really like, terrified to ask you this but could you do the forward to my book and he says yeah of course love like giving back to young people's like one of his main values yeah. and two months later I he emailed me the forward and and then it went to print <laughs> oh that and I, we should perhaps say you know Mark Randolph is the co-founder of Netflix for those of you who don't know but but I think that is such gold around there are two things there live for me one is you were so invested in who he was and you really took the time so that when he, when you speak about it, you're coming from a place that's right inside your heart. It's like, and that will, that will definitely resonate. You know, I, I, I like to think about what would move me to do something before I get yeah. somebody to, to do something. It's like, what is the email that I could not resist? Or I couldn't, you know, and then the other piece is around asking for help and how we just, often stop ourselves and think, you know, we can't ask for help. But but what you did was you asked for something super specific. 
Mm-hmm. No, it's a forward. So he knows where the parameters are. He knows whether he's got the time. If he, yeah. if it's a no, he can let you down gently and say, look, I'd love to, but I've got, you know, X, Y, Z on my plate. Often I think no is a not yet as well, you know, but, yeah. it, but by being that specific, you were really um, allowing him to step into the role. You know, it's just, you create that opportunity for him to just go, what it's going to take me half an hour if I'm, if, if, you know, it's just brilliant. So I think, I think that, but also helping people to understand that we all feel that moment of, Oh yeah. Who am I to do this? And I shouldn't really be approaching someone. And I had, I had a similar experience. Um, I just interviewed uh, Josh Linkner um, who wrote a book called big little innovations and yeah. heard him on a podcast I love, love, love what he has to say about creativity. You know, that's my bag. It's about helping people step into their creative potential. And, you know, you write to him and and it's also that piece around not having, um, if the outcome is a no, the world's not going to end. You know, it's an opportunity to reach out and say, I love what you're doing. I think your work is amazing. Oh, and by the way, if you, if you'd love to be on my podcast, I would be so honored, you know, and, th- and that allows you to sort of say, what about having six of those a week, you know, where you just, you just reach out on the off chance that you land one, one person who comes and says, oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to share that with your audience, you know, and, and then it feels like such a win as well when you sort of, you get to that point and go, oh, that worked. And I think that is about building that courage. Then you just end up thinking, well, it's worked for me once. Why wouldn't it work? Why wouldn't it work again? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer that these opportunities are sort of written there for you. They're already there. You just need to ask for them. And I feel like that is definitely, from interviewing people on my podcast, the thing that I see in common between successful people is they ask for stuff. Like, you're never going to get there alone. You just aren't. You're going to need to ask for help along the way. And I became a lot more shameless at asking for things because if it is a no, then it's a no. And I know that it seems awesome to have like the Netflix co-founder write your forward, but I just I've received I've received no's every single day to coming on the, the podcast. Like every single day it's I don't have time, some people don't even respond, but it's just not letting those affect you, not taking them personally. And there's a really good thing that to live by, you know open to anything attached to nothing. And that's kind of how I try and do business in terms of putting quotes out or working with someone that you're open to any possibility, but not attached to the outcome. Because if you lived in those outcomes, they're more, they're more negative than they are positive most of the time. Um, But you need to stick and remember those really positive ones to keep you going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for us, the the deep sea, so you always look at where the fear is, what what is the fear? And usually some people are, are afraid of success, but usually it's failure and, and rejection is, is at the heart of like, if I reach out, I'm going to open myself up to that, oh, no, you're not good enough feeling. But I think what you're, and maybe it is because, you know, ultimately that that experience of being bullied at school is a rejection you know you're being rejected by all the people around you must have been so painful at the time but you've kind of then learned that you can survive it and there's you know everything you've ever wanted is just the other side of your greatest fear but you've actually by having that really challenging experience proved to yourself if you like that there's yeah what's the worst 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 that could happen here 
Yeah, I think it's it's all a very similar situation. Like I was bullied because I wasn't afraid to ask for things and I wasn't afraid to be myself and I got rejected because of that. And that's going to be the same in business and it still happens, you know, every year something happens. Uh, But yeah, it's just, I think it really is just that I'm going to go for this no matter what. And, you know, anyone's sort of opinion or negative feelings towards you is never anything to do with you. It's to do with their own insecurities. And I try and just look at that through the lens of compassion of, wow, something must be going wrong in your life or hurting there to try and bring me down with what you're saying or doing. Um, So I think when you look through that lens, it's actually hard to be angry at someone and just kind of feel a bit sorry for them and actually want to help them. That is, yeah, and, and and I think that is the other secret to your success is just that huge, huge empathy, you know, because it takes a lot of empathy to someone who's maybe riling against you and being quite angry and you think, well, it's what's going on in their life that's affecting that. I love that quote, um, what other people think of you is actually none of your business. I think that really <laughs> helps. Just before you're about to do something a little bit radical, you know, if you just remind yourself that it's that's really not anything to do with you. So, so tell me the story. Cause I mean, I know you, you kind of built your brand really too big for your boots, but what do you think it is about that element of when somebody sees success, this idea that you can even be too big for your boots? Yeah. I mean, I think it really comes from um, my age. I think everyone experiences these similar experiences of being told you're too big for your boots but I was sitting down with my coach trying to decide on the title. And the first title was Bullied to Boss in it. But I don't really think that summed me up very well. And he said, if there was like one sentence or like phrase to sum up your journey, your experience from 16 to now. And like, I remember where I was sitting, I was actually sitting in a, a bar in Spain, like having a coffee in the morning. And I was just like, I know what it is. It's, it's too big for your boots. And really what it says to me is someone feeling like, don't shine too brightly, don't get too confident, don't flatter yourself. And I think it's been used to put me down mainly by older people. And I think the mindset shift that needs to happen is it's not about having the years under your belt, but it's like the the years of experience you do have, the experience in those years instead of the number of years. Um, and, And the name came to me, mainly because it's actually what someone said to me in a lift after the 100 home charity event i announced on bbc i met in a lift at an event and this random woman said to me oh you're liv conlin i was like hi nice to meet you and she says don't get too big for your boots and it was like there you go thank you for the title of the book (laughs) but 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 i'm more interested in what is that about within our culture that someone's success someone's you know that we want to dampen it down and and I think it does happen more to women than men you know it's 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 a kind of just yeah I mean I had a an interview with um a guy down in Australia and he said to me oh I think what you're referring to is tall poppy syndrome and I'd never really heard that phrase but then when he explained it I was like yeah we do do that why do we do it I do not I do not know why I think I guess I hold my success and sort of my age and what I've done holds a mirror up to a lot of people I feel that maybe didn't go after their dreams, didn't follow the path that that maybe they could have had a different life, different success, whatever, a different story. But the difference between that is that I have sacrificed so much to get to where I am. None, None of it was handed to me. It was all hard work. And I'm actually willing to put in those hours, 
do the work that most people aren't willing to do. But I think when someone sees that, they see the surface mm. and you see that element of it and they don't see, you know, the 4am wake ups and all the stuff that goes into uh, that you do in the dark that's seen in the light, basically. And yeah, I think, I think it's probably stemming from there. From a little bit of jealousy and resentment that it seems too easy when you when you make it seem as uh, for someone like you who does actually make it feel seamless you know because but, but you're right it's because you're consistently showing up you're there's never a day goes by where you're not either thinking about it or acting on it or as you say you know who gets up and listens to an entire um audiobook before they reach out to somebody but frankly that i think just that attention to detail and that's how you understand the sort of language that's going to really touch someone emotionally yeah it's going the extra mile and you know every like people I try and share this a lot but everybody's the same like we're all made of the same stuff and one of the things we like to do or like to feel is appreciated and flattered now coming on this podcast with you you know tons about my story and I feel flattered and special and awesome and I want to share more and likewise with being on the, the podcast with Mark I knew story inside out. I brought up, you know, sentences that he said to his kids in the book. And I knew so much about his personal life because that matters to him more than talking about Netflix and figures and money and deals. He wants to talk about and add that story element of his children and his his wife. And actually, when we start to connect with people on that human level, that's when we can advance both in life and in business. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're so right. I think that's the it's the element of if we can bring that human element into our businesses, which I think that's kind of new news. It used to be very much a sort of the business was your business front and it all had to be professional. And I mean, I say new news, it's, it's sort of evolving, but people really do want to sort of relate on that human level and that brings me around to actually because I mean I think you know the other thing I really wanted to talk to you about was um, personal branding and for me the big essence of your personal brand is this relationship at the core of it which is with your mom and and with your brother but especially that that piece around just how close you are to your mom and how you work together and you know it's just been magical. Yeah so my mom joined me when I was 18 she left her business to join uh, the property stagers and she still basically runs that company now and I do more of this fun stuff <laughs> um, but yeah she has certainly been at the heart of it all because she was the person that inspired me to be an entrepreneur she had her own business and I used to skip tons of school go away with her on our business trips and I used to be in the meetings and you know do her paperwork and her admin and I just always wanted to be in that atmosphere with adults like learning and seeing like deals and everything that was going on and I would say that that's partly what why I am where I am today is because I had that experience and it helped me form at a very young age that this is what I wanted when so many other people were unclear with what they wanted their life to look like especially at that age I mean was she um because I think every parent's worst nightmare is just not knowing if this is the right path you know I'm, I'm mother of teens and I would be nervous if they suddenly said oh I don't want to go to university especially if they had the, the opportunity to do that you know there's always that oh and yet we know from from so many stories that innovation starts with not following the crowd you know deciding that there are more ways to to do everything you know there's always a different approach so how did that whole conversation go when you said you weren't going to go on to, to it, was never, it was never even really a conversation it was just gonna happen because 
I was very academically gifted as well. I got A's. I could have went on to do, you know, be a doctor, a lawyer. But even when I was in school, I chose very creative subjects that really just rebelled against any form of academics. I don't like music and drama and art and everything that was very creative. And so it wasn't really a conversation when I was 16. I'd already had a business at 13. I'd made that a success. Uh, my mum could see how hard I was willing to work. And when I was 16, I pretty much like brought in an income from month one or two when I started the home staging business because I was working 18 hour days to make it happen. I knew that I had to bring in an income. And then the fallback conversation to that always was, if it doesn't work, I can go to university because I do have the grades, you know, another year. But what is interesting is I've just thought that if I went to university, I would only be finishing just now. Yeah, you'd have spent three years at university. I don't think, you know, you talk a lot about surrounding yourself with the people who it's that energy that you take from other people who are super successful and you sort of move in circles where people are getting stuff done. Whereas, yeah, you don't sort of think of a bunch of students as being that sort of high dynamism. I mean, not denigrating students totally, but but it's also that piece around, it's not like you haven't been learning. You know, you, you didn't go to university to learn uh, geography or you know, study engineering, but you have constantly been immersing yourself in what you need to know next to get you from where you are today to where you need to be tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Just- I was, I was actually just having this conversation last night with my mum. I've just launched a mastermind, which was a 100K launch in the space of two weeks. And really, I was managed, I managed to fill that whole like mastermind was because of my personal brand. And I've been working on my personal brand since I've been 16. I've invested a lot of money into PR and all these different things to make it what it is. And now I'm really seeing that pay off monetary-wise in terms of coaching and all these products that I've launched. But, you know, I'm 22 and really from building that personal brand, I have created a lifetime of limitless income potential. I mean, I'm doing this at 22. What will I be selling when I'm 27, 28? I just wouldn't have had, I just, if I went to university or went down a traditional path, I'd be on an average salary or a good salary, but I would have a limit on what I could do. Now I'm 22. I am like really excelling at what I'm doing and this personal brand isn't going to go away. It's only going to grow and get stronger. So over the next few years, when that happens, I could end up pretty much anywhere. And, and that's an exciting thought. And I'm, I'm proud of myself putting in the time when I was a teenager to now live a life that's just uh, great. Yeah. No. And, 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 you know, this brings us around beautifully to this whole notion of personal brand, because I think it's not a gimmick. It's it. We we do all need to understand who we are, what our values are, what we want to put out there, and by getting close to that, you know, and living that every day, and that's what you know. Your it's your showcase, if you like. That's what you're putting out there. But it's that. So, what is your what's your take on on personal branding and how you approach it? I know you you've said you know when I think of live, I think of someone who is super successful, loves a margarita loves a bit of sunshine, you know, and is not scared to go and take what she needs and ask what, for the help she needs. You know, all of that is is very much branded in your in your whole sort of Instagram feed and in every email you send, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, so that, that really is the heart of it all, sort of that personality and sharing that story. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that people actually 
people put their products up for sale and they don't understand that your expertise and your story is the key to actually running a business to selling to being able to make money because i often think of like your business brand is like an invoicing brand yes it's going to be the thing that sits behind your personal brand it's going to be the business that processes the money but you as the personal brand are the salesperson are the person that's going to do the marketing uh, my personal brand is the one that won the awards got featured in the press and like why you created your business and what you offer and why you started this movement is why people will convert initially and then also con- convert over time mm. and really though I feel like that's a little bit vague because I think often when talking about personal branding people say share your story and be authentic but what does that actually mean because a lot of people don't know how to be authentic <laughs> they don't know how to be themselves so the biggest shift that I noticed was when I became prolific and basically the definition of prolific if you looked it up in a dictionary today it would say someone who's fruitful or highly productive but there is also another definition which is someone who has abundant inventiveness so they invent new unique ideas and frameworks like all of the time and i think i realized at one point yes i have shared my story it's cool it's awesome it's, it's a great story but I now need to become this person that people want to listen to, that has great ideas, that's different, that offers a unique perspective rather than being generic, which is the opposite. So when you're generic, you just, you know, say what everyone else is saying, like dream big, hustle hard, that's how you make it. But actually you wanna be polarizing and you wanna make people have FOMO about you. So like, I need to go on to Liv's Instagram today because I've got fear that I'm gonna miss out on a piece of gold that she's given on her Instagram stories. And once you make that transition from sharing your story, but actually being prolific with it, that's when massive change happens. Yeah. And that's so, so valuable. I mean, that's another piece of absolute gold. I think it's that idea that even if the message itself isn't that unique, you as the messenger yeah. can bring your own unique stance to it. You you can bring your take on it. And that is what people will gravitate to. You know, there might be some people who go, oh no, it's all a bit too, too high focused and driven and, and hard. It just looks like hard work, frankly. You know, um, I, I wanna I wanna go down the route of uh, let it be easy or or sit on the beach or whatever it is. But but I think that whole idea of getting to the core of who you are, you yeah. know, when we say about authenticity, it's about what are your values? What do you really stand for? What, you know, what does it look like? And how many of us don't actually dig into that? Because that's for me has been the whole process of coaching. It's like understanding that's what a coach does, holds up a mirror and says, here's what I see. Is this right? You know, is this how you want it to be? Because you also get a chance to shape that. You get to make it what you what you want to curate is also possible. You know, you don't have to be one thing or another. Yeah, I mean, I've had struggles with this as well, like in terms of, am I just being a bit too, like I'm quite an extreme person, <laughs> you may be able to tell, like I'm black or white, like they're never grey, I'm not really in between any points of views or anything, politics, anything, I'm very one way or the other. And sometimes I've had the fear of, if I put that out, well, it backfire, will people not like me? And that's deep rooted in me, bullied and not being liked, all of this stuff, but actually, I've had this over the last, I'd say, year or so, I've had this awakening to that I need to put my views out there. I need to be polarizing and say how I feel because 
I will never get to my dream client, ideal client, unless I do that. If you want to be an entrepreneur, build a personal brand, and you don't want to put the work in, you don't want to put the hours in, you don't want to wake up and like, you know, work hard all day and do all the things that I've done, then I can't work with you because I don't know that path. Yeah. I know the path that I've taken that's worked, which is being a hard worker, it is putting in the hours, it is, you know, investing in coaches and other like PR and all these different things. If that's who you are, then I want to work with you. If you're the other person, then we're not a good fit. And I'm quite happy to polarize you because in polarizing you, it's going to bring my ideal client much closer to me. And I think that's what it really comes down to. And I think people live in that gray zone of not wanting to offend or push part of an audience away. Well, it is. It's kind of the gray zone is the safer place, isn't it? It's not wanting to offend, not wanting to sort of, you know, really put something out there. But what you were saying was that whole essence of, yeah, so for you, one of your core values is that work ethic. You know, you've yeah. always had it. And, and if you're not aligned with that, then that's when things start to go off kilter. You know, it's just not going to work. Whereas for somebody who hasn't quite got that drive, yeah, being in your presence might just be exhausting and lead to burnout. You know, it's like, it's how you define what, even what success looks like to you. You know, you're, you're very focused on make the money because that buys you freedom and that gives you the capacity to go and do all these other things. And if, if you're not honest with yourself, if that's not one of your core drivers, then you'll constantly come up against, no matter how many steps you put in place or how to do this, something won't flow because deep down you haven't really aligned with what what's inside you you know that's that's my firm belief yeah totally for me as well and I think even in my personal life if you admitted it into that like I don't have a lot of the same friends or even family members in my life anymore because my way is too extreme my way is hard working I have you know I put work in front of a lot of other things because I know where I want to get to where that I can then swap it around and put personal life as my focus because work's working away in the background but yeah I mean you lose people on that journey even personally when you're that aligned to your values but I would rather live in alignment than than live an inauthentic life that's that's not mean against what I believe in yeah and so one final thing I wanted to just touch on before we get into your stories there's this idea that you know you you made this company with your mom, super, super successful within within a couple of years. And okay, even behind the scenes with all the work going on, it was still really relatively quickly that you were seeing a degree of success. You found that little niche in the market. How did you decide, you know, what's next? Because for, for a lot of people that would be, well, why aren't you just head down, building that, growing it, making it even better, et cetera, et cetera. And yet you've really shifted and, and gone towards the coaching and the helping other people do the same. So how did, was there one moment or was it just an evolution? I get, I think it was also, I think really for me, it was all, it was always destined to be this way. And this is the way I planned it. So it wasn't by accident. For example, I mean, I love home staging. I love interior design. It's always going to be one of my biggest passions, but I know that I want to impact people's life on a different level to just stage in their house. And I seen that as a vehicle to being able to fulfill my bigger purpose, which is impacting people's lives. So the home staging company was definitely a vehicle for me to build my success. It still successfully runs to this day. It's probably one of my biggest income earners at this moment, all of those things. 
But once I put the team in place to run that without me, which I now have, I knew that I could then go on and actually live out my purpose, which is impacting people's lives in two ways, coaching them to help them do exactly what I've done, take their business to a level that allows them to go on and do their purpose, or if that business is their purpose to live that out. And then secondly, to have the income and the time and the freedom to actually give back to young people and all these charitable things I want to do. So it was a vehicle. I knew that it was always going to be passed on to a team and then I go and do something else. But also when you have massive success, it's a natural progression. People ask you, how did you do it? Like, mm-hmm. what was the process? So for me, for years, I was asked that and I was speaking for free, doing tons of stuff for free to give back. And then I realized at one point, that's me now. I can now move into this more as a business and actually when I turned it into a business, I've impacted 10 times the amount of lives because it's given me the financial backing to be able to spend that time, coach people and take their businesses to the next level. Yeah. So it was a, yeah, it's interesting that it was a sort of vision in your head that this wasn't going to be your be all and end all, even if it was just for the next 10 years, say, you yeah. know, I'm just going to do this until, and I think that that is also something that sometimes just taking a breath and saying, looking around and yeah where do I want to go next fixing that next goal is is really important really insightful yeah and it's it's really hard like to sit down and and take your eye off a business that's doing really well and it's still doing really well and at the time it was and it was it was a question of do I put more time into this personally or do I leave the team with that to keep it growing And again, it was that letting go of the perfectionism. And then I took like six months to really build, you know, the coaching side of things and my personal brand and monetize that. But it's been so worth it now. But it was it was a challenging decision. But now I live in much more alignment, which is which is awesome. Yeah. And and, and that comes back to that personal brand, which is if you're constantly building that, then you can pretty much turn around and go okay now I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this because you've 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 just been putting that into the into the whole mix the whole time which is so sensible yeah I mean I like to think of the per- your personal brand is like potent accelerant on your business so in building my personal brand I grew my home staging business that was the real you know accelerant to make it hit a million but also you're right you know if I sell that business if I sell that brand and I don't have a personal brand then once that's sold, I become, you know, pretty much no one because I've not built that brand. But if I sell that, I've still got me. I'm the one that bought it. So I built it, sold it. And then whatever I go to next, whatever I touch next, it's got that sort of track record behind it. It's got that brand that I've built. And it's most likely going to be a success. One, because of my work ethic, but two, because of the brand as well. Yeah. So there's that theory that you, you, you should be, everybody should be doing this, you know, that who you are, your brand is so that you're not outsourcing that the whole time is I work for this company or I've built this business, but it's, it's basically who are you at the middle and everybody should have their own USP and that unique approach and understand, yeah, what, what motivates them and, and what makes them tick. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone has a personal brand. It's just whether you are, you know, capitalizing on it. And if you're not, then you need to change that. No matter what you're in, business, you work in corporate, your university, literally wherever you are, people by people, and whatever next stage of life you go into, the only thing you can bring with you is yourself. So 
it's just for me it's like it's not on debate it's not for debate and I you know prioritize it as highly as I prioritize anything is working on my personal brand it is pretty much my full-time job just working on that because I know that that's the thing that's going to bring you know exponential growth more than anything else yeah yeah and and you know I sit in the wings and watch you and you're now you're sort of cracking on with reels and you know you're always on to the next thing as well you you don't stand still for very long which is the other <laughs> part of it I think you know but but yeah. I, I I I sort of say well she's 21 she's got lots of energy <laughs> phenomenal so listen I you know I described and I wasn't lying at the beginning you are one of the kindest people I know you've shared so much wisdom already here um, and, and you're constantly looking at ways you can give back, even though you're so young. And, and so I'm intrigued, you know, the hundred homes was the ultimate act of kindness, I thought. And it was really the story behind that, that, that prompted me to, to get involved. So what's an act of kindness that's impacted you? Oh, an act of kindness that's impacted me. Well, of course, your act of kindness. I was blown away when you provided that amazing jewelry. But I think I like to think of a little act of kindness. And let me think. I think it would be. Oh, it's a hard one. I'm actually just going to choose you. I, I, I've not got it on the top of my head. <laughs> I've not seen other human beings in a long time. <laughs> I've set myself up for that. No, and the reason I ask is because I think that what you don't realize is how much you are putting out there. You know, you know, yeah. it, it's it's that moment where you turn around and go, oh yeah, actually I see it for what it is. And it really has a high impact because there are people out there who probably don't get in touch with you on a regular basis, but they maybe read the book already or, you know, and they've been following you on Instagram and so, yeah, I, I think it was just that, that, for me, that story helps you shine a light on how powerful it can be, even when you don't realize that you're being kind, um, when you reflect on the things that have actually meant something to you. So, yeah, it's um, it's nice that I end up being star of the role, uh, starring in the role there, but but yeah. Honestly, that, that blew my mind and I always find it because I didn't know you and I didn't, don't think I'd ever spoke to you at that point, but just someone that, you know, was willing to donate something and put their time into it. And it was the, the jewelry that you donated was stunning and amazing and all of that. But it was just, this wasn't even your initiative, but you're willing to give to it. So for me, that's, that's just the best. No. And what connected was, cause I remember we were at that event and it was about standing up and saying, you know, this is what I'm doing was, oh my God, you know, there's always more, isn't there? There's always something else you can be doing. And here's somebody who's willing to put in all, because for me, it's so much easier to just go, right, that's all set up. I don't have to get involved with the details. I can just show up and, and donate the jewellery. Whereas, you know, for you, you, you put all the drive and energy and, and blow me the next day, you're on London radio. And, you know, it was just incredible how you just, because people did connect with that story. I mean, it was a beautiful story. And I think, I think the other thing is that, it would have been so easy to be head down in your business because it was still just getting off the ground at that point. And yet there you were saying, before I've really made loads of money, before I really have any excess in the system, I'm going to, yeah, get other people on board. And I've, you know, one magazine article where I read, I'm in that, that business, I'm in staging property. And how can I already turn that into a force for good was just, that's what touched my heart. And I just thought, of course, I've got to help out here. 
Oh, thank you, Kat. But I think for me as well, like I remember that period of the business and it was obviously near Christmas and it was like a really hectic period. Things, you know, operationally were going a bit off because of like deliveries and just things. And it was, it, it felt like a time to retract and think I'm not going to spend any money. I'm not going to invest any time into something that's not going to earn me money. I think those are the times that you need to do something for someone else, like put that good karma out into the world. But I think too often we can be worried about, you know, what's this going to impact my life? Actually, if you're feeling a bit down or something's not going right, invest in others, put time in others, give back to others, and you'll see it come back tenfold. That's not why you do it, but it, it also lifts your spirits. Yeah, and, and it raises your energy. It raises your game. I mean, there's, there's no question that the the sort of the capacity to, to reach out to all those people and talk about this story because it had such a great emotional impact was was huge. And and yeah, you didn't do it from a cynical point of view. It was genuinely done from a here I am and I can I can make this work. And 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 you did. Yeah. Just yeah. And we actually we've continued it years after that. And it's it's genuinely my favorite day of the year. Like we now just do it solely in Glasgow and we go to um, Glasgow City Mission, which is um a nursery and, and kids place for those that are a bit less fortunate. And it's just it's incredible. It just it's one of those days that out of any award, Mark Randall book launches anything. It's my one favorite day of the year because it's just so genuine and it's just great to meet people and see the look on their face. And it, that for me is priceless more than any of the glitz and glam that comes along with building a personal brand. Yeah. And that's so powerful because what you're saying is, you know, that initial spark goes from an idea, is this going to work? And then you, you, carry on with it and it just snowballs and other people can take it on and you know and it grows i mean red nose day must have started with somebody saying why yeah. don't we get together and yeah we'd all wear red noses and you know at first it's like easy to shoot down but actually yeah you're 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 just able to then grow it out now that's that's a beautiful story so thank you thank you i love it everything starts small just like you said with red nose day again it's breaking breaking stuff down like I never started and staged my first property saying I'm going to build in a million pound business. But I just started with one thing. And that's how these things can build. Even the 100 home makeover, it was just this wild concept drawn from the sky one day. And then we had donations from MS, Sainsbury's, yourself, all these, all these massive corporate businesses. And you think, why do they care about me? But this is where it starts. This is why, you know, I'm just this girl from Glasgow who's now in contact with you know, Mark Randolph, who lives in Silicon Valley. I mean, how was that connection ever going to be made? It just starts with, you're right, that little spark. And it starts, I think that what we connect with is a story. Yeah. The why you were doing it was so powerful. And yeah, um, it was it was one of those things that that's what, and then I would love to see now that I'm sure there are videos made. And, and you know, when you first started out, it is just a story and, and there's no, will this work? And We'll just do it anyway. No, phenomenal. So I know, I mean, you've talked a lot about, and, and it must have been a challenge. So there was a challenge of being bullied, which is horrific. And then there's a the challenge of talking about that openly, because I think it's something we, those difficult moments, we tend to sort of bury them and cover them in shame and don't really want to dwell on them. But I'm, I'm also intrigued whether that is now something you define yourself by is that when you when when people talk to you about the biggest challenges in your life is that what comes up for you 
Yeah, I mean, I would say it probably is because it's not just, it just didn't happen when I was like 13, 14, but it's came up like even in the last few years in certain circles and certain, you know, female organizations and things like that. So it's something that I still deal with on a day-to-day basis. And it's it's really hard to come back for that because obviously, I mean, I like to think of it, I kind of think of it as like a jug and it keeps getting filled. Mm. And because of my past experience, it's pretty near the top, but when another experience is added on, it overflows a little bit and it's quite hard to come back from. Um, so yeah, I've had those experiences again and again, just the same thing, but with older people in a different situation. And it just happens. Um, so I'd say that is my biggest challenge, but in so many ways, every single time it happens, I'm so grateful for it. And I really mean that because it does something in me that makes me even more driven it makes me more compassionate. It makes me want to do other, it just makes me want to be better and do more. Um, so yeah, it's definitely my driving factor and it, it drives me every day. And I think what you were saying about, you know, one of the things, one of the ways to overcome it is to really stretch your empathy muscle and say the people who are in those positions, they've got a lot of shit going on in their lives that perhaps is not, not yeah, this is not coming out the right way, but it's just driving that behavior, which is such a, you know, magnanimous way to, to approach it. But how would you say, what would be your advice to someone who's maybe at school at the moment? I mean, because I think it's so hard when you're that young to not feel like you're the only person in the world who's just so isolated and on your own. Yeah, I think that was, that was probably the biggest feeling for me was that loneliness that I was the only person and also the only person that knew about it because I think like, as I explained in the book, like if you looked at me, you would think there was nothing wrong because I was very strong and never really showed that it affect me, affected me. But inside, like I was struggling to breathe. I was, I was dying inside of how that felt. And it was only in sharing that with someone else, like my mom, I told her one day I just decided, I actually left school at a moment, like it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and I just stormed out. I was like, no more. And I think we all reached that tipping point. I think before you reach that tipping point, you should confide in someone with what's going on. Because often when it's just you, just your perspective, it can also seem much bigger than it is. So I think in putting it and sharing it with someone and they put it in context, you can talk about how you feel and really just let off a lot of how, how you're feeling, how it's all bottled up. And just that was like a massive transition for me. But also I got myself out of the situation. So I actually moved school for my final year. Right. And I just decided there's actually no way to deal with this apart from move away from it. And I think in many ways in life, that's what we should do with circles that don't support us. Mm-hmm. Just remove yourself from that situation. And once I'd done that, like things got a lot better and a lot easier. Um, and then obviously not bottling it up and then working through it, not just in that conversation, but really working through with someone that can help you of how you feel about it, how it made you feel so that it doesn't go on to impact other areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. That's so valuable. And yeah, just that idea of how many of us, yeah, want to just keep it bottled up and, and, and hope that it'll just sort itself out. And yet the first step is just to acknowledge it and then understand that it's not to do with you as you as you said so wisely you know yeah and I shared as well in the book that I I didn't want to share it with anyone because it's like I feel there's this stigma that comes with being bullied that there's something wrong with you like you're like weird or there's something that deserves to be bullied in you 
Mm. And as I mentioned earlier, that's just not the case. It's something that's lacking in them. So for a long time, I felt shame in being bullied. And I also felt shame in even missing it later on in my journey because it feels like I was holding up that victim card of, oh, I was bullied, listen to my sob story. Mm. And it's not that. It's, I realized I had to have that mindset shift. It's not a sob story. It's not a victim card. It's a good learning point for so many other people so that they can overcome it as well. Yeah, I think I think understanding you're not the only one is is so valuable. And, and no, I don't I don't see it as a victim card at all. I think it's something that it goes on a lot more, as you're saying, even after school, it goes a lot more, you know, there's a lot more bullying goes on in society that that doesn't get outed. And you know, the Me Too movement is really a, a, yeah. a lot about that. You know, it's it's about intimidation, it's about coercion using power plays you know and it can be women on women it can be it's it's so powerful when when you actually but as you say the first step is just to acknowledge that this is happening and then share it with somebody and that shift in perspective can often be okay here's the steps I need and for you it was to leave school to to change schools can often be but that's empowering isn't it to say I'm gonna I'm gonna do something about this I'm not just gonna say And it was, it was certainly one of the reasons why I wanted to be an entrepreneur because I thought, you know, if I go into a job, this could just be replicated. Yeah. Uh, if I go to university, it could be replicated again. If I have my own, my own business, at least I have the capabilities to choose who I work with in a colleague sense, or a team member sense, and then also a client sense. Obviously, when you've built an audience and a brand, you then get it from sort of onlookers of that, but still not the same intensity as being in the same class as someone or the same office as someone. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, you've now managed to sort of distance yourself from it a little bit. You're super successful. You are someone who's you've been brave enough to share that story, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still at the time so hard to go through you know and as you said it's the last chapter you wrote in the book because it's just those deep deep wounds that but this has obviously been a process of of being able to heal some of that and and move through it which is just beautiful yeah and I don't think I think with a lot of things you'll never be fully healed like that's kind of what I believe I feel like you'll never fully get rid of limiting beliefs either (laughs) (laughs) you'll never ever be eradicated but you can certainly like I was actually speaking to a mindset mentor on my podcast and I came up with the saying dilution is the solution. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And also that it's a, it's um, we like to say as a coach, I will say to people, this stuff is like cleaning your teeth. You don't just say, Oh, I've done it now. I don't need to do it again. It's like, no, you have to wake up the next morning and remind yourself of all of that energy that you've shifted and how you want to be and all the things that are important to you. It's a daily process, you know, and, and, it never goes away as you say and as you reach each new level in life and business and all these things like just new you get new layers of it yeah and yeah it's a continual process like I work on myself every day every week all the time just because if I was to leave it back when I read a book three years ago I, I wouldn't be where I am today because you know mindset's the biggest thing that's going to hold you back yeah and and you know knowing that we're programmed that that sort of staying safe is deep 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 inside us for yeah. very good reasons you know you're 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 out doing biology if you like so it's it's important that you remind yourself of that that there's there there are t- and there are times where playing it safe is is the sensible thing to do you know it's not always about go get I wish it I could learn that <laughs> 
but no, we're very, very different. You know, that that's the contrast. And and for me, I, you know, putting out this podcast was a big challenge. It was like, oh my goodness, you know, what's going to happen? Um, even I, for me, it's putting myself on the hook. Am I, yeah. am I still going to want to do it in 10 weeks time? Because I've committed to delivering this, you know, and it's like, but, but I love what you were saying about that competence and confidence. It gets easier the more you do yeah. it. That's the other thing. So you're, you're constantly working into a point where, and then suddenly if somebody now said to me, you know, my biggest fear would be, um, oh, being on TV or something, you know, doing something live, but that suddenly wouldn't seem such a challenge because you've been practicing, you know, quietly where you can press delete and, and <laughs> recordings, et cetera. Yeah. 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 I mean, I also love, I love that putting yourself in a hook because I do that all the time. So if I'm feeling sort of resistance to it, as I mentioned, I'll schedule it. But also like if you take an, put an investment into yourself or your business, let's say you invest in a mastermind or a program or a course, you're almost like committing to yourself. I need to make this work to make that investment back. Yeah. And I think once you go in like that, sometimes you need to force yourself into things. Sometimes you need to make that commitment. Otherwise, there's not enough driving force to make you do it. I'm um, so I do that all the time. Kind of like my gym thing yesterday. I've now got it scheduled in. I even lay out my clothes the night before. Like, what is the path of least resistance to get me to do this? Yeah. And sometimes it's a financial investment. Sometimes it's commit committing publicly that. I'm going to launch this by this date, whatever that is. Sometimes you just need to do it. And they don't call it holding your feet to the fire for nothing. You know, it can be quite painful to go through that process. It's like, oh no, why did I do this? Why did I say I do this? Yeah. And in so many ways, like I live on deadlines. Like, so I'm one of those people that if I've got a presentation on seven at 7 p.m., I'll start working on it at 3 p.m. just because I need my feet to the fire to get it done. Yeah. And I've always been that way with exams. I used to study two hours before it. I used to just do all this extreme stuff just to make sure that I'd done it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just that's just been the way I've always worked. But that's the same for me. I mean, I, I, um, I read your book and I have been listening to your podcast and sort of letting it all absorb. But when did I actually write the intro? Oh, about 10 o'clock this morning, you know, and it's just like, why, why? Because I mean, for me, I love that feeling of, oh, I've already done it. But, but equally, I know that I, there's a certain little adrenaline buzz that comes with a deadline that makes you do your best work. So, so it's, oh, it's yeah. knowing yourself really. I'm not even going to share some of the crazy stuff I've done, like waking up at like 12 at night to start a presentation that like a, a 400 slide presentation that needs to by 9am for a whole day of coaching. It's, it's just been insane. But yeah, I think it's for everyone, it's just working out how do I work best and what's going to get the best out of me. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to take a leaf out of your deep work and uh, try approaching it from that point of view. Because I think for getting a creative project finished, there's nothing like it, but saying, right, I'm just going to turn off all the distractions and get this done setting yourself a debt even if it's a false deadline you know there's no actual sort of outcome is so powerful yeah I found as well that when it comes to that like deep work I was maybe working you know 18 hour days that maybe could have been condensed into eight hours because of my changing task getting distracted picking up the phone all those different things you actually realize how much time you waste when you don't practice deep work and if I'm ever out of the, the habit of it for a day or two, I just get totally stressed in terms of I need to get back into that way of working for four hours and getting the same work I would get done in eight hours. Yeah. And I think that's what is so remarkable about you, Liv, because most people, 
don't really appreciate that, that time is your greatest asset. You kind of get older in life and then realize, oh God, it is running out. But you're someone who just brings that energy of somebody, you're just driven um, in, a, in a way that is unusual of some for someone your age, because normally there is that, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll, you know, there's plenty of time, I'll get that done next week kind of thing, which is just amazing. Yep, time is ticking. I keep saying I'm not going to be a young entrepreneur much longer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three years left in me and then I, I need to let go of that title. <laughs> and, and, yeah, that reminds me though, but for anyone who wants any inspiration, I love what you're doing with all the young entrepreneurs at the moment, just shining a light on that work, you know, in the podcast. So yeah, if, if anyone is listening to this and just wants a little bit of a, how do I set, you know, what's the first how in business? Liv's podcast is just full of gold and full of little tips and tricks. And, and as you say, inspiring people who have gone down the same path themselves. So yeah, absolutely. Success leaves clues and yeah, just, you've got to surround yourself, even if it's virtually with people that are, that are there, but farther ahead than you. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. Precisely. Now I know when it comes to music, there's a little bit of Nashville, Tennessee in you and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) playing the guitar but when I ask you for that question you know what's the one piece of music that has a story behind it for you oh what is the one piece of music that has a story behind it I would say for me it is it's got to be a Dolly Parton number or a Johnny Cash number and I think it would be Ring of Fire um it was my granddad's favorite song and yeah for me that's just a song that I love Johnny Cash. I've been to Nashville, been to his museum, all the stuff. Um, so for me, it's more of a personal level of that's my favorite song. Yeah, no, and that that's so great because it fits in so perfectly with that personal brand, you know. I mean, I loved all the story of you, you'd finally made it to Nashville and there's all those beautiful pictures of all the sunsets and just having those. I think what you do, you really have these sort of desires in your heart and then you've become so good at just going, why not? I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. yeah, it turned out that was actually when I went to Nashville, it's like always been my dream to go there. And I actually got asked to speak at the International Home Station Conference, um, where I was the only person from the UK asked to speak there. And it was like, it's in Nashville. It's not been in Nashville, Nashville before. And it just happened to be that year. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. I had my cowboy boots. Um, I was totally up for it. And funny enough, the book being called Too Big for Your Boots, people are like, oh, why are you not wearing cowboy boots? And I was like, well, it's a bit too far, but it's partly, <laughs> it's partly in there a little bit. <laughs> next next edition, I want to see those cowboy boots. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a lovely, um, there's a lovely mentor of mine, Robin Kramer, who was, who was a mentor of mine when I was getting the jewelry business started. And she has, um, her business is called the Red Book Boot Consultancy. She's based in Texas. And yeah, she can definitely set you up with some perfect red boots to go on the next. <laughs> Actually, I spotted some boots here in Marbella um, in this totally random street sale cowboy boots. And there was a set in there that had wings on them. And I was like, I must buy those one day. I'm like, go back or go home, like put wings on the boots. I'm I mean, just go. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So yeah, Johnny Cash is definitely a new one for me and um, Ring of Fire not new for me but new we we don't have anything like that on the playlist so so that's a a welcome addition thank you and then finally i mean you have just dropped so many truth bombs shared so much wisdom here today but what would you say is the one nugget of wisdom that you go back to for yourself that you remind yourself on a daily basis 
Oh, my one nugget of wisdom. I think it would need to be what I sort of mentioned earlier as the standards element of things. Because, you know, I don't jump out of bed at 4 a.m. I don't like spring out of it. There's no springs in my bed that pushes me out of it. It's literally just a standard of getting up at that time every day and carrying out my routine and working. And I think when you set those standards, it's like a standard or something you just don't go below in any for any reason in your life, apart from life or death. Um, so I'd say that every single day I try and live by that standard. And once I set one, I just become so driven, so dedicated to it. I very, very rarely, if ever, go blow it. Yeah, that's a brilliant thing to do. So know your standards, set your standards and live by them. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And then um, we're sort of turning the act of simple kindness around. So other than go and buy the book, what would be an ask for my, my audience? Uh, an ask for your audience would just be to go and connect with me on Instagram, give me a follow and just say hello as well, because as I've said, we're here for personal connection, not just for the numbers on Instagram. So yeah, come follow me, say hello and yeah, let's start a conversation. And Liv is somebody who really lives and breathes it. So seriously, if there's anyone out there who he has an idea, wants to get it off the ground, yeah do connect, send her a DM and you will, you'll see how much energy and compassion she has because she's just amazing. So all the links to Liv's Instagram and the podcast will obviously be in the show notes. And then we're going to be giving away a copy of this amazing book because I really believe in it. So anyone who's interested in finding out more about how they can get hold of this book, we will be on the Collective Wisdom Pod Instagram page. You'll find the promotion for the book. And if you just share that with somebody, we'll be picking some somebody from those, those likes and shares that come out when this edition launches uh, and sending them their free copy. Oh yeah, if you, if you send one, then I'll send one too. And then we'll send two. Perfect, perfect, brilliant. Oh, that's super. Thanks so much. That's really kind of you, Liv. Right, well, I would just like to say a huge thank you because I know you're somebody who's got a lot of time pressures at the moment with book launches and coaching business and staging business, etc. I so appreciate you for not just for showing up here, but for all the work you're doing to inspire people to bring the changes about that they want to see in their lives. It's just so powerful. So thanks, Liv. Oh, thank you so much. This has been my favorite 90 minutes of the week. Um, it's been absolutely <laughs> awesome. It's just great. I just, I mean, we could chat for the next 10 hours, really, on absolutely. this podcast. Absolutely. I love it. I, I love it. Anyone else would be interested in this. And we didn't even <laughs> get onto the subject of Bitcoin. That's the other thing. Because oh, Liv is the okay. person to go to. She knows all about Bitcoin, but we'll we'll maybe get you back on. I'm, I'm going to do a whole sort of week of finance, I think. So I'd love to talk to you about later on in the in the year about that thanks again thank you so much i told you she was good I do hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I could listen to Liv and her soft Scottish brogue and yeah, just the way she speaks about her mom. Just amazing. And as we said, we're giving away two copies of Liv's amazing book. If you head over to the Instagram page for the podcast at collectivewisdom underscore pod. And uh, yeah, I'll have a go at trying to do a giveaway and see whether I get 
any response this time. And talking of support and encouragement, which is what Liv is trying to give to so many young people who are perhaps questioning themselves or might have a bit of self-doubt, I just want to give a big shout out to my amazing friend Kat, who whenever she listens to an episode, will just pick up the phone and say, oh my God, it just keeps getting better, which I cannot tell you how powerful that has been as a way of encouraging and supporting me. Everyone should have a cat in their life, <laughs> but I'm just very glad that this one is in mine. So thank you so much. I hope you all have a super week and thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from. So I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.